What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back to the Art of War Unbroken. Now, this is part two of the episode. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go and check it out. We are joined once again by Mr. Mark Aisht. He is a very excellent demon player. He had a heck of an LVO where he went five and one. We've talked about his one loss in part one versus 1K or 1,000 for those playing at home, sons. And I'm joined once again by the very admirable, no wins in 2022, Mr. Brad Chester. No tournament wins now. No tournament wins. Slate, clean slate. Yeah, we don't, no one even knows who you are. Everyone, it, your your memory got erased from everyone's brains. It's 2022 season. We're Anybody would have played in. me in a surgical room, I would have destroyed all people in that 40k room right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's was that yesterday. Yeah, just don't worry. I spent enough time with there. I yeah. came home and immediately have just been hanging out in doctors' offices. Yeah. <laughs> they went LVO. Let's just do the doctors. I, mean, I did have a doctor. Literally, this is a real thing. This is actually pretty funny. Uh, I was saying when I was going to LVO, you know, where I was in Vegas and stuff like that. And I'm just, you know, saying what it is. And he's like, I'm Googling you right now before you're allowed to leave. So before I was able to get leave the appointment, he went and started Googling me about 40K, comes back and just keeps asking me 40K related questions. I was like, this is the weirdest appointment I've had in a long time. Was it weirder because he found your OnlyFans or was it Big Daddy Brad OnlyFans side or was it? Um... I had to pretend that wasn't me. I was like, no, 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 no. Look at the 40K stuff. Look at the 40K stuff. We literally have talked about a that. giraffe? We're bringing it full circle. Should we talk about Fire Raptors too? Should we bring up the no, Fire Raptors? No, we should not. Oh, I've. I'm I'm rehashing old memories here, man. That, that was an episode. Two it's, it's still it's still too soon. That's still too soon, actually. Okay, sorry. Um, let me start off here, Mark. What was your MVP? It was on the chopping oh block from this. <laughs> oh man, uh, my MVP uh, was actually the pink horrors. Uh, the pink horrors were my MVP on this one. Chopping block, honestly, for CA twenty two coming out. Really, squad sizes are just getting reduced a little bit. That's about it. Um, some some of the play bears are going down to 23-mans. Actually, all of them should be going down to 23-mans, and we might lose one or two blood letters overall to make actually room for a few more pink horror splits, as well as uh, make room for a sixth uh, uh, fury in each squad. What, uh, what in the CA-22 is uh, pushing to do that? Well, the secondaries changing to ensure that I get rod and whatnot is a is a big factor. There's we don't have good Vision secondaries, are so are big too. Getting those final three points, there's a lot of actions and a oh, lot yeah. of missions now. Oh yeah, and that's the thing is so I wholeheartedly think that uh, demons and a lot of the a lot of the codexes that are eighth edition codexes get uh, slightly weaker, not abundantly weaker or anything like that with CA twenty two coming out. Uh, because of the fact that there's about half the missions from CA21 that have, if you're heavy enough in OPSEC and heavy enough in in you know the realm of doing actions especially, uh, but even in cases where you don't, where there are really solid mission secondaries. Well, with those going away, you've got to find another secondary for those half of those missions that you play. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is a very 
know, controversial take, but if you're Tyranids or your demons, or if you're knights, you're not taking that secondary they gave you. That that secondary is either A for whatever faction you are, bad for the most part, other than maybe Chaos Space Marines, and maybe one or two others I haven't looked at, and or it's not as good as something else that's in the same category. And so now that you don't have an easy mission secondary to fall back on for half your games, uh, you effectively have to find a way to make sure you have some secondaries to clean up on. And so that's a that's a big push for me upping the Furies. As far as the changes to the uh, Pink Horrors, I think the big change with the Pink Horrors was more or less the fact that I found splitting to be one of the, the, the best things to not only actively engage my opponent in a way that stopped them from of splitting, uh, influence my opponent's decisions and in influencing your opponent's decisions and pushing them into a corridor of uh, you can do this or you can do this, but either way it results in this one can tilt people pretty hard. And that kind of goes into the psychology of the game, but two, as you influence what an opponent can or can't do, it also helps you predict what you need to do as you know, that once you've, once you've taken away viable options, you can always put yourself on a front foot. And those splitting horrors can do that in spades by essentially making your charges easier as you get into Overwatch situations where all of a sudden Overwatch seems like a bad idea. Stealing those objectives. Stealing objectives is another big one. I'm not going to lie. My favorite thing with reanimation, splitting and stuff like that is all of a sudden lining up a blockade of brims or whatever else and going, oh, you can no longer charge what you were looking to charge a minute ago. Come on in. The pink horse will love you. You know, you're like, and you just see your opponent going, This is when I knew I effed up. <laughs> like, not good. Oh, yeah. No. And and so those are my big influences. And then the reason I'm taking away from the plague bears is because let's be real. So the the minus two to hit, uh, which is what you're getting from stacking the minus one to hit from plague bears being 20 or over at the start of the phase which is an important annotation as long as they start the phase 20 or over, which is also what's influencing this decision, they get that minus one to hit for the rest of the phase. Uh, and then you can stack it with the Disciples of Bellicor trait to where it's minus two to hit. That way, if your opponent has things like plus one to hit and whatnot, they're still taking that minus one. In order to fully counteract, they're going to have to get plus two. Now, it is helpful, but it's not really that often that it comes up. Uh, and even when it does, it's usually only around for that one turn anyways. Taking out five guys, the dedication that it takes to take out those five guys is generally means they're dedicating to taking out even more because they're trying to make you break morale and whatnot. Going down to 23 still gets you it for the limited amount of time. It still forces an amount of dedication to get through a minus two, five up invul, five up feel no pain and whatnot. Uh, but it gets you it for the round that you need it. And then those points can go to other things such as splitting and whatnot. Uh, as far as everything else, most of the other stuff is staying the same. So, if you like looking back at it with twenty twenty vision, would you what would you have changed if anything coming into the event after you saw obviously what everybody else was bringing and whatnot? Because I think this plays very well into it. But if you could change anything. Would you have changed anything in the list? Just cherry picking uh, any small changes with same rules using 2021, of course, going into LVO again. Uh, going into LVO again, honestly, I would have 
done a couple of the changes I already talked about, which would have been reducing the plague bear size and going up on the pink horror split. Uh, I wouldn't have done the uh, the change on the Furies. I think I would have kept them as is. Honestly, I I think I would have kept it as is. Uh, I like I can confidently say this that I believe if I didn't run into the Thousand Suns list and all that sort of thing, I think I I still I had a great shot at top eighting with this list and all that sort of thing because of the way the meta played out. I did face Crusher Stampede. I did face Custodes. I did face Iron Hands. I faced consistent like lists that are that are the meta as it is and whatnot. Um, and each one was, was honestly, a, a, it was a lot easier with this list than my normal list. And it's, I think the list feeds on this meta. I think, I think oh, that the list, so much here, hundred yeah. percent on that. You just, this plays so well when I was looking at your list, I hundred percent agree. I give you props on that. I just looking at it versus the meta, there's just a lot of armies that just can't do anything about it. Because in the end, it doesn't matter if they kill every single model if they're down by thirty points. You know, at the end of the game, again, it's still about what what's the VP say at the end. Yeah, and and that's the thing is that I I when I face against those lists, and and this is something I didn't really cover in in the part one, but when you use these blood letters and you use Bellacor, um, they are they are not blunt force weapons. Now, my previous demons list, the monster mash incarnation, and all that, you do have a bit of an element where you have to make very wise tactical decisions as every mess up does cost you a lot in points. However, there are times where you go in and you're just you're just a hammer and they're just a nail. And that's sometimes how that list work. With this one, these blood letters are a scalpel. You're on the table, you need to find what the problem is. You need to uh, target identify. If I go against a custodes list and I see Alaris Terminators, Alaris Terminators bites with those melt, those new fancy shots where it's D3 plus three damage and they're everywhere. I understand that the Alaris Terminators, weirdly, are going to be a little harder to crack with a lot of their stratagems and whatnot. I'm going after the Terminators because even if Bellacord dies doing it or even if the Bloodletters die doing it, if I've taken away your weight of shots by specifically targeting those out and extracting those, your army's no longer a problem. Um, when I played against Crusher Stampede, I looked at things like, you know, weight of shots from either the um, Hive Guard or for the few that brought the Hero Duels with the Flamers and whatnot. They have weight of shots, they get, or the Hero Duels get past the whole minus one to hit, so they're a little easier to uh, hit me with and whatnot. And that's all I was focusing on. Once I take those away, which if they're not properly screened, or if you're just like I said, talking about the blood letters moving through things and tying those up, you can take away enough shooting and enough weight of attacks where, yeah, are your 20 attacks, your 20 high quality attacks going to kill something every turn? Sure, they're going to kill models, sure, but 170 in, in five turns, there's only 20 attacks. You know, how are, how are you going to get through 170? You know? 100% on that. Going into what we you had talked about a little bit on part one and that Fury movement, really wishing they were on the board. I kind of wanted to go a little bit more into that because I think that that could have gave you a, a little bit of more of an out because moving those Furies up, 
especially if you could have hid them a little bit, making them have to come up on top of you and to get them off, actually gave you an op- opportunity for a possible drop down assault with and wrap, which would have been huge for you because most of their damage was coming from that volume of shots. And while you had a hard time because they're getting the, you know, the plus one because of all the damage one out there, you is if you could have just hugged a couple of those rubrics, uh, even if you're hugging the terminators, you know what I mean? You could have literally uh really cut down on the damage output that they got. And I think that 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 little that little move, we talk a lot about when we we see the move that happened. You 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 said it yourself in part one about the Furies wanted to be on board, but man, if you could have jumped those behind something uh, and made him come to you, it would have given you just such an opportunity with either the Bloodthirsters or just running up, you know what I mean, and grabbing him with uh, the Plague Bears or something. If you could have just wrapped something and not gotten shot, that could have been an extra an, an extra zero. To tell you the truth, you know what I mean, because he'd have to commit things. Uh, in hand to hand, or only be able to kill things that are behind that. Uh, I think that you think that would have could have really changed the game for you, or was that just a little bit? Was he was his spacing good enough for it? Let me know. That's just the first thing that came to my mind was, man, if you put those furies behind uh, vital intelligence, you know, behind an objective, and then make him come up, you got you just get the opportunity to possibly get off a wrap. And with your army man against that thousand suns army, it just feels like if you got off a wrap, obviously he can bounce one. With duplicity, uh, but then he'd have to bounce two uh, to get them away. From so actually, he. So actually, so he takes. He was very. So I'll say this. Props to my opponent. He played. God, he played really, really well. Uh, he actually got the first turn, and typically you see these Thousand Suns players uh, when they get the first turn, they have the duplicity power, and then they have the crystal. Crystal. The the used to be called dark matter crystal. Now it's something else, but. Basically, the teleport. He didn't use it on the first turn um, because he was conserving it for exactly that. Uh, I yeah. agree with you. I think that if I would have utilized those on the board, gotten them up, and then wrapped, that would have made my later move where I did wrap. I actually wrapped turn three uh, multiple units. Unfortunately, between the Dark Matter Crystal and the Duplicity Power, he was able to break both out. Now, if I had done what you're saying, which I, like I said, I 100% agree with, I could have at least forced that hand earlier. And then in the later turn, when I did it again, then I would have been set. Uh, so the plan that you're talking about, I executed, but I only executed half of it. I only executed the second half without putting through the first half where I should have just forced him to use those that crystal along with the power earlier. And that's a, that's another great point of what I should have done with those Furies. Yeah, no, I, 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 agree I just like it because it's just like that thing is, is that I love thinking about it, though, because when you look at this match on paper, you're like, oh, he's just got an overwhelming firepower. I have a hard time hurting him. But like you talk about just a couple small moves and all of a sudden you're like, well, he's killing stuff. But you you had another full turn possibly of putting him in a zero, you know, having a hard time removing you. The other thing, tell us real quick about that, because we talked about it before we were recording, uh, how you were able to wrap with those, even just a small amount of splits with the horse. Yeah, so you only get a couple splits with, you know, that 15 points and whatnot. Uh, It's not not a lot of splits, but you got to keep in mind, you know, bases can be tri-pointed, as they say. And so when you're facing down a line and you run in with pink horrors. Uh, pink horrors are famously squishy with a four up in bowl. Uh, you only need a couple to die, which you know generally 
whatever you run into is going to have enough attacks or a T3 model to make you fail a few saves. Um, on top of that, if you want them to die, uh, you can always take your regular save, um, which is a terrible save. It's a six plus, I believe. Um, and when they die, the pink horrors can split. And as they split into blue horrors or brimstone horrors and whatnot, you just have to put them in coherency. Now, uh, even a 40 mil base is only an inch and a half. And coherency with a big squad like that is two models next to, or each model has to be next to two models within two inches, essentially. So as you're lined up and base to base with them, you lose some horrors, you split them, you take two bodies and you put them behind them, uh, basically right against the uh, base of the opponent that you're also touching with the front with pink horrors. And that causes a trapping scenario, and you're still in coherency with that, even though their base is in between your own unit. Um, so that's a big thing with the pink cores, and I think being able to split like that is is a huge reason why I want to actually go up and split points. I like that a lot. I love that tactic, though, because it's something where all of a sudden you now get a wrap where your opponent has does not think they're going to be able to be stuck there. And that's a huge, huge deal uh, moving in it. The, the, other, the, oh, sorry. The, the other factor I actually wanted to hit up about that also is when it comes to trapping, uh, a lot of people don't realize that you don't just trap by having ground targets surrounded on base. There are only targets you can trap with this list as well, or titans uh, like you know knights, or uh, you know certain other Titanic things, because keep in mind they still have to set their base down an inch away from you. And when you have this many bodies, you can actually effectively spread out enough, calculating for their movement, especially when they're profiled. You know, you look at some of these vehicles that have fly, uh, or certain other things that have fly, and they might have anywhere between a six and twelve inch movement. You can very easily cover that when you start measuring their base and you start measuring your base. And if you can pull out six, seven inches of, of movement spreading around them, and they have a six-inch long hull, well, then they can't physically move the 12 inches and still get outside of an inch of you. So the splits also help with that, because keep in mind, pink horrors uh, splitting and whatnot, you can kind of end up with more than you originally started with, um, depending on what you're taking and whatnot. So you can, you can screen them out. And also, you can trap them even when they have the ability to fly over top of models. What, real fast, what uh, what is the rule with the Bellcore Demons if you're going to summon a new unit? Does it still have to hold true to the like uh, even split of the alignments? Yes, so you cannot summon a new unit. So with summoning, um, you can't summon a new unit uh, unless you are summoning something that you are essentially lacking in. Um, so uh, now I'm not with pink horror splitting. They are not summoning a new unit or anything right. like that. So luckily that, that gets away from that. But unfortunately, like I can't because uh, I thought about that. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of restrictions in this list. I thought about doing something like uh, I could take down the number of change casters I need if I wanted to just you know summon this or summon that or maybe I could summon this. But unfortunately, uh, for Bellacore, if I want to summon a new unit, it can't break the uh, the outlier unless I wanted to run the risk of hopefully 
one Nurgle and one Zinch goes down, and then I could summon a Corn or a Slanesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, as I understand it, once what's on the field is down to like two Nurgle, two Slanesh, two Corn, uh, two Zinch, then I could summon whatever. But then you also run the risk of, say, I wanted to summon a Slanesh or a Corn, or say I specifically wanted to summon Slanesh and whatnot. And one of my bloodletter squads goes down, and I'm down to one bloodletter squad. Well, now I can't summon a Slanesh squad of anything uh, because I only have one bloodletter squad on the field. So uh, generic summoning uh, is generally kind of out of the question, as your opponent can actually restrict you based on targeting priority. Can you summon in greater? Can you summon in greater demons? I know you can't start with them, but can't have them on the board. Period. Yeah, yeah. All the restrictions are pretty heavy handed with it. Um, yeah. You you really can't break it in any way. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever thought about putting flamers, like summoning flamers or anything like that, in certain matchups where, like, because you, you could take another Zinch in there. Yeah. So the flamers and the 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 two big things that were on the cutting board when I made this list uh, were flamers and a beast of Nurgle. Actually, yeah. the beast of Nurgle were a pretty simple cut just because of the fact that when again we look at this list, we've skewed this list pretty hard. Beast of Nurgle being the high amount of wounds that they are and the big bodies that they are and whatnot, they're just target. targets. Yep, they're a great target for Crusher Stampede or the Custodes and whatnot. So they were a pretty simple cut. I just want more bodies. As far as the flamers go. Uh, while I really liked the flamers and all that sort of thing, in order to take the flamers, I would have had to uh, bump the number of of Slanesh and Corn, which there aren't any others. Uh, three squads of Bloodletters just it, they're they're unnecessary. What I'm trying to say is awkward, yeah, because. Two bloodletters, two squads of bloodletters are are going to get at what you want to get at, and three squads is going to be a lot of points into stuff that doesn't have resilience to, you know, wrap up your game once the bloodletters have surgically removed whatever you're trying to remove. And then for Slanesh stuff and all that sort of thing, as you can see, I don't have a lot of Slanesh stuff because Slanesh, while famously fast, is also famously fragile. Um, so really, I I want the Slanesh stuff for just doing actions and whatnot. Uh, the only other debate that was in here is whether it was worth it to add in a Slanesh character uh, so I could take the uh, gem. The, oh, the gem's my favorite thing in the entire codex. It is It is for me as well, but what I quickly realized is barring a couple outlier characters and whatnot, or these Titanic characters, basically, the gem doesn't do as much as you want it to because... Forcing a captain to not swing six times or seven times or him not getting uh you know a certain effect, you're already shutting off rerolls on their on their uh shooting attacks. And then if they don't have a huge number of attacks and whatnot, then you don't really care about it in in a lot of those cases. The only cases where I can see that are generally like Mortarion has a lot on his sweeps and stuff like that. And certain other knight characters have a lot of shooting. But generally, when you see big models like that across the table, those are your favorite targets to see in this list already. So I didn't really want to hedge my bets against a matchup that I already felt comfortable with. The Art of Warhouse is very split on the gym. I was running demons like uh, in Orlando. In Orlando, I was running a little bit of demons. And I wanted to take the gym. And everyone's like, like Mark and Brad, but like Jim's cool. I was like, yeah, okay. And then uh, I tell Nick, and Nick's like, oh, do it, not take the gym. The gym. It, it's the thing is, is it might. Mm. The, the thing is, is the threat of it though. It's again threat. What I was going to bring up actually. It's the implication. Mark, 
Well, it's, it's Mark was talking about psychology earlier. And there's a lot of things where if you have something in your toolbox, those splits, excuse me, you're, you're giving players zeros. You have the opportunity to bring those deep strikes in and they know that they can deep strike 3D6 and stuff like that. Just small things. You, you gave a couple zeros out. You have stuff coming in. You're, you're, you haven't given up a unit so far. They have nothing good to shoot with their, their big guns. People actually start making non-optimal moves a lot, uh, especially if you're just doing, you know, how Marcus planned. He doesn't need to kill anybody. I just need to take these objectives and score my points, which a lot of time means you just go to the mid board and go, well, that's that's about far enough. You know what I mean? Like, and you can get into all of a sudden turn three, even in a close game, where you you start to make people make non-optimal moves because of the fact that you've gotten ahead. Playing ninth edition from behind feels terrible. Uh, so even if you're even if that person has all the tools to beat you, just basically having those those tricks. What do you when you were talking about psychology, you brought it up earlier, what kind of moves do you really think that you can uh, for lack of a better word on it, you know, bully your opponent into making poor moves? Uh, I think the big one is uh uh having them make poor target priority. So one of the things is, you know, you have to take Bellacore in this list. And while mm-hmm. I see taking Bellacore as un- an unfortunate weakness, we have to accept that doesn't mean we can't make him uh, a huge uh, tool for us to use, especially in this case with psychology. People have faced against Bellacore on the table plenty. Um, people know what Bellacore does. You can recite, you know, you need an encyclopedia for the number of rules you can give him essentially because he has all those marks and he can use all those stratagems and whatnot. And you kind of do. You kind of sit there and you go, I can make him fight twice. I can make him reduce your attacks. I can give him exploding sixes on uh, for sixes to wound. I can heal him with Nurgle. I can do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. And on top of it all, you sit there and you explain that he doesn't allow involves with his big swing profile. And you explain that, like, you know, he moves this fast. He still can get obscuring all this sort of stuff, and people go, I need to kill that. Now, the moment someone says, I need to kill that, uh, you know, they're... You just check the box for wasted shots incoming. (laughs) Exactly, because the thing is, is that's not what's scoring me points. Now, at the same time, I understand Bellacore does run around the board, and he he is that kind of surgical tool, but if you're dumping everything into him and whatnot, then... In my opinion, you're making a mistake, and nothing nothing makes people worry more when you crash in with him finally, and he goes, "All right, pick this up, pick this highly resistant unit up," and then they go, "Oh no, I have to deal with that." Meanwhile, there's a squad of bloodletters over here eating away, or there's plague bearers slowly getting up the board and forming this wall that they pick up Bellacor after a couple turns, and then they sit there and go, "All right, finally dealt with it." And then they notice that they're still in their deployment zone. They notice that, you know, there's just this wall of demons that they'll get through in four or five turns, but that's not not fast enough. And um, another big, I, I I'll say another big mistake that uh, you can kind of see people make, because I'm, I'm not a big gotcha guy or anything like that. I let people know what I can do and what I can't do and whatnot. But the thing is, is uh, the fighting twice with the bloodletters, even if they don't have a legal target and whatnot, is another huge thing because it makes them rethink their movement. Yeah, Yeah, it's so crazy. You can get so deep into somebody's backfield. Exactly. And then after you've sat there and gone, all right, 
yes, I used three or four command points to do this, but I've effectively nulled your turn one shooting into any more than a full squad of blood letters, which is only like 220 points. Like that's, that's not a lot to pick up in a turn. Um, so you sit there and you take that away and then you have another squad of blood letters incoming and they're so prepared for those blood letters. People discount these pink cores. You know, I talked about it before these pink cores were MVPs. So real quick, just to give people a combo flickering flames are plus one to wound near, a, near one of the heralds of Zinch abilities, i.e. the change casters. Um, they're plus in strength, which applies to their gun because they're strength users. So they're strength four plus one to wound. Most of the things you're going to see in this game, you're wounding on fours or better. They are, as long as you have 20 or more in the squad, they are three shots apiece, a squad of 30. Now they're only hitting on fours, but guess what? Bellicor has a chapter master reroll because he's your general. When you look at 90 shots, rerolling everything at 18 inches away, um, and they're assault weapons. Another common thing that would happen is people would would screen these blood letters out by you know six inches deep or whatever, or do multi-layers so I couldn't get through uh, to them after the piloting and consolidate. When you have three layers all within compacted within nine inches of each other because you're that worried about the blood letters and whatnot um, of your screening personnel, I will actually split shots on those with cultists, with you know sisters, with you know especially these toughness three or toughness four models that have just three up, four up, or five up saves and all that sort of thing, depending on what kind of uh, stuff you're throwing out there. You look at the math. And if you're wounding on twos or threes because of flickering flames and you're being strength four, um, 90 shots, re-rolling everything is about 72 hits. Uh, wounding on, you know, we'll say threes is 24, 48 wounds. Um, so at 48 wounds, then you look at a, we'll say a four up save because that's right in between like space marine armor and something kind of bad like grots or, or cultists. Dead and squads, it, man. Dead that's, squads. That's 24 wounds. And when you're looking at the typical screening <laughs> unit being five wounds apiece, you're looking at four screening units gone. And because you compacted so much, you gave me them all as targets. And now that your four screening units that you had for the game are gone, yeah, the pink horrors are going to go away. But now my bloodletters have free reign to do that surgical pick out exactly what they want to do. And I'm going to drop them both at the same time, especially if you have Overwatch that's worthwhile, or especially if you have an intercept like Space Marines and whatnot. And then you get to choose one of them to hold up. Or even if you have something like Tanglefoot Grenade, and I go, all right, well, I'm going to teleport one, deep strike the other, choose which one you don't want to get messed up by. And then you're you're still sitting there and you're still in this no-win situation. So yeah, that's a, that's another thing that commonly happens with these. Keep in mind, you can still teleport those pink cores, get them into the range you want to, and get rid of those blockades that are stopping your blood letters from doing their work. And also the, the opponent has to basically, again, the threat thing, they have to worry about that the entire game. You know what I mean? They have to block out or they have to say, we're playing retrieval. Any of the objectives that are don't have multiple objectives in your home base you know nobody wants to screen out the back of retrieval uh you know going into three four five and they're like you know but you also can't take a billion shots that are buffed up and all of a sudden you go hey man remember when you weren't holding your backfield objective anymore and i was hanging out with 30 obsec models just letting you know it was right now yeah it's happening this is it's happening um well 
man, this list is something. Hearing you talk about it, like, gets me excited to want to play Demons again, man. Like, you got me all fired up. I blood letter bombs again, man. This is wild. And it makes sense because you see all the crazy I, I just love bodies. I love yeah. bodies and shenanigans. I, I'm just a big fan of just having toolbox armies and lots of infantry. That's my go to. So I just love this. And you, and you look at also the way people are like not only counteracting uh, the lists that are out there defensively by just having bodies, but also counteracting them offensively because look at the lists that are out there with all this damage reduction, damage reduction by one and all that to a minimum of one. Well, you can't reduce my damage if it's already reduced to one. Like, all of these are damage one weapons with you have no AP damage from the um, but a huge weight of attacks from the pink horrors, but it's high AP one damage. So that way, if you're facing against something that's like, I'm going to stack saves and whatnot, and you know, you're otherwise I'll have a two up and whatnot. The blood letters are what's doing the bulk of the work. And then if you're against, again, someone else who has a high amount of bodies, like I, I did some math and, you know, look at like, uh, Manny's list and whatnot. The pink horrors are great against lists like those. Oh, dude, you know? he, your, your pink horrors are actually the thing that can actually turn that game quickly around. Yeah, it's just yeah, a volume absolutely. attack, especially with the ability to move around because you can just pick a, a flank and go very hard flanking, kill yeah. everything that can touch you, and then all of and a sudden, again against against another horde list, and I know we haven't talked about this because the meta's not there right now, but as we see things shift, and, you know, try and always try, you know, for those listeners out there, try and stay ahead of the meta a little bit. If you start seeing these these horde lists that are doing really well, expect to possibly see more of them and whatnot. And especially if you're trying to play these top tables, at least have a plan against them. While I'm playing against, you know, I made this list for this meta, I have plans against uh, horde lists, especially ones that don't ignore attrition because if you didn't know there's actually a stratagem in disciples of Bellacor that i keep in my back pocket if i ever have to go horde versus horde where uh everything that fails attrition within six inches of that unit or fails uh, morale within six inches of that unit for every uh model that they lose to morale or attrition i actually get to bring a model back which is a huge reason to start splitting attacks because when you look at 90 attacks and you go all right i'm gonna put 20 here 20 here 20 here 20 here 10 here and then I'm going to charge in these blood letters and I'm going to, you know, split my attack some more. And we have a bunch of half strength units. You can only auto pass one of them. And then, yes, I'm going to get a crack back. But as long as I pull the right way and whatnot, I'm I may be left with five. I may be left with 10, you know, all within six inches. And then people start failing morale. And all of a sudden I'm back up to 20. I'm back up to 25 oh. dudes. And I've just basically taking zero casualties in the horde matchup, which yeah, is a that, huge that's, swing that's Nuts, by the way. Just so nuts. That's pretty sweet. I haven't played in a horde meta, man. There's Since I've been back in the game, there has not been a horde meta. It's been all big, big elite stuff. So I think we're entering the day of the horde in 2022. Yeah, I haven't gotten to play against a horde list yet. I haven't had to use that strategy yet, you know, but uh, but I have it in my back pocket for when the day comes. What I, what I do want to know is, did you make any psychers explode? After they miscast with the demon only and D3 damage. I at the RTT made a psyker go down to one wound and it pretty much stopped him from casting for most of the game because he just didn't want to risk it at that point. That makes me happy. Not as happy as hearing somebody blow up in the middle of their own backfield, which I wish. is oh. the ultimate. Anytime they just explode like a pinata, it always makes me happy because no one remembers what happens. You're like, what happens if my psyker blows up? Hold on. This paragraph is terrible. <laughs> I don't want to. 
Uh, everything within three inches takes D3 mortal wounds, and the power automatically does not go off. Is that because he dies? Is that like 12? No, it's if a psyker dies from a peril. Yeah, well, from perils, and because you're demons, you have a 1 CP stratagem. When someone perils, after they decided to take the perils, you can just make them double perils. So you take 2D3 <laughs> mortal wounds instead. So there's tons of those casters are you know only four wounds and stuff. Some are five, but you know what I mean. If you get that, and those guys are usually packed into a million other people, and all of a sudden you just go, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping to get the Grey Knights matchup sometime. Now that's that's the match every demons player wants to play. Yeah, you might have missed your day I, on that, man. I'm not sure how good they're going to be with the new uh, changes. GCP rolling through. I just want everybody to know, because you can only hear us, uh, Blake's doing some sort of electrical work that we're watching him do, and he's setting up 47 new lights behind him. Um, I'm not sure what happened here, uh, except for the fact that he just blinded me. Uh, what was going on? Because I think he started with one Christmas light, and nice, and he's always showing his models. And then continued on. Mark and I are having a hardcore uh, conversation about this, these armies, and Blake literally just rewired his home. I didn't rewire. I was ripping arms off of raiders as we talked because I am re-gearing them to be um, the not raiders, the sulfur hounds. So Nice, nice. I was going to model once, and then I didn't. Well, you got you to model if you're going to play an event, man. I got to. I got to get some guys ready to go roll at the melee at Shiloh. Actually, it's pretty big. It's, a, it's like a 50-man GT now, man, which is crazy for Arkansas. So Nice. Well, we've got one coming up that we're traveling to also. So. Dude, what's wild is I convinced Nick uh, to come up here to rural Arkansas and play the GT. So it's got to be me, all the all the Arkansas meta, and then just Nonavadis just randomly going to be there. So it'll be... I love there. everything. I love traveling when you show up with a group of heavy hitters to a rant tournament. Back in the day, we did this. We were actually on vacation. We just decided to go to a LA, not a GT, an RTT. And I showed up with three people that were all in the top five in the world. And they, we walked in and everybody went, what are you doing here? Like you're three thousand miles away from your house. Why are you at this RTT? We're like, yeah, we had nothing to do today. We said, screw it, let's make it happen. Just as a sidebar That's here, awesome. I wanted to point out that uh, Nanavati says he's the goat. Siegler says he's the goat because he's won, or people say he's a goat because he won back to back ITC. I think that you are the goat, and let me tell you why. You're you are the. Um, Oh, what is that running back's name? He used to play for the Bills. And Frank Gore. You're the Frank Gore 40K. Like you've played like a quadrillion seasons. Like if you had a son, your son would be playing 40K with you. You know, like you've been playing <laughs> exactly. Like, that's Frank Gore. Frank Gore almost played football in the NFL with his son. He's a freaking running back. You're the Frank Gore. Fr- Frank Gore is the goat. I'm not. I want to say Brad Chester's the goat just for your sheer longevity. Just for being old and not dying. Old like, and not that, dying and winning. Like didn't that dude die 22 years ago? You're like, no, he's still playing, man. Well, you got any more questions for Mark here today? This so we have. Oh, I got I got a wish list for you, real quick. All right, Mark. With the Demon Codex coming out, give me the one thing that you must have in the new book, and something that must go from the current book. Uh, the must-have is easy. We need some more reliable ways to get in combat faster if we're not going to have shooting. Like, we don't have effective shooting. Most of our codex is pure melee. If, you know, we've seen the success of Bloodletter Bombs because they have a consistent way to get in. Um, we have this, we've seen the success of Slanesh Demons 
as far as the uh, bigger girls because they have a consistent way to get in. They're not overtuned. They're obviously not running the meta and whatnot, but it makes them usable. So the rest of the codex needs to follow. Um, if if it's going to continue to be so heavily influenced by melee, it needs consistency on that regard. Um, as far as something that has to go, I would say um, summoning. I I think summoning, like if, if we're paying extra points for summoning, summoning is just... Um, especially with the restrictions that we're seeing out of ninth come down where uh, they're kind of they're at the point where they're not even hemming up, you know, soup, they're hemming up or interfaction soup, they're hem- hemming up within your own faction, you know, soup and whatnot. I think screw it, don't make us pay extra points for summoning, take summoning away. Um, or the other thing I would say is stop making us so leadership focused. I hate the leadership focus. I, I'm not going to lie. I think leadership is a stat that uh, it's you're not playing the game if you're attacking leadership, um, whereas other codexes will attack defense, you know, toughness like the Death Guard, or might attack your uh, ability to move, or might attack your uh, strength or your rerolls and whatnot. And that can be a theme that you can work off of, but also it works by itself. It's autonomous in that no matter what, even if I don't have this uh, Rube Goldberg machine of if I reduce your attacks by this and this and this and this, then I get this. Well, Thousand Sons have that stratagem that say, you know, reduce the damage of an incoming attack by one to a minimum of one, which then can activate with a unit that has a all is dust that has their um, their plus one to save against damage one. While that's a sweet combo, even if something's damage three, reducing something's incoming damage by one still by itself autonomously separate of the all is dust is good. Whereas leadership tends to be all right. If I'm going to do this thing that benefits off of low leadership or people failing leadership and all that sort of thing, then I also need to bring three other units to also attack leadership. And the detriment that people incur by not by failing their leadership is extremely minimal if they take leadership at all. So I was just about to say there's so many people that just, just ignore that also. Yeah. yeah so exactly. You, you invest points into that and all of a sudden you play somebody that auto passes morale and just goes, cool trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna ignore yeah. it and I'm gonna move on with my life now. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's honestly probably I put that as my number one. Is I'd like to see this either either one. You have to make leadership actually cost people something. And let me tell you this, uh, and that's another thing with this army. This army's leadership across the board is seven, and it's a horde army. And leadership is is this is the most that leadership can kind of punish you, in my opinion, unless you're playing like horde guard. And leadership is not really that much of a factor. I calculate in no person has ever looked at a data sheet and gone. Man, this would be a really good data sheet if only I had more leadership. <laughs> or man, this would be a this is a really bad leader, a bad data sheet because it has such and such leadership. Leadership is this after effect, and that's how it's been treated, and that's how it's been created. And so, if you're going to make our main focus leadership, either one, you have to full on make it to where it's a part of the game for us, or just take it out completely and stop making us focus on it as as chaos. Can we get a look at that uh, that dog there? I, I just yeah, I just like to point out to everybody. A, uh, 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 an unbelievably cute dog with a hoodie just rolled into it's the frame. A hoodie. Yeah, I'm excited about this. This is sassy. This is 
this is my baby. Um, I love her. She's she's very needy, but uh, yeah, she has her hoodie. We got her a hoodie for Christmas. It gets kind of cold. She's she's an American bulldog, and uh, she's she's just the sweetest thing in the world. American. She's beautiful, and I want to pet her. Good looking dog. Good looking dog. Well, More Mark, thanks for joining us, man. I'm a. Uh, this was a great time as always. We're gonna have to come on again. Hopefully, you don't lose any games uh, in 2022. But if you do, you know we'll we'll be here to bring you on for the third time. Because I want to, we got to interview again, man. I got to get the demons back on here at some point. Absolutely, I love coming on here. You guys are great, and you know everybody's just really welcoming. And I, I appreciate uh, you know anybody out there that's taking the time to listen to me rant about my demons and chaos in general. I, I appreciate that uh, people are spending their their well earned time off or maybe their time at work and whatnot. Just uh, willing to listen to what I have to say. So thank you for that. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Join us next week. I'm going to let the man take it away with his like what you heard, but I want to make a new one where it's real wimpy. It's like, hey, guys, like what you heard. So stand by for that. Thanks for listening. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.